We now move to chapter 17 entitled Shraddha Treya Vibhaga Yoga or the Yoga of Threefold Faith. Arjuna says, Krishna, I want to ask you a question about the modalities of worship. I have seen two kinds of people who seem to worship you in two entirely different ways. One group employs elaborate rituals and its members assert that unless these procedures are rigorously followed god would be displeased with the worship the other group does not seem to bother at all about procedures its members behave in strange ways they talk to you sing to you and dance for you in many ways they appear crazy and abnormal yet some people say that that is the way to worship you I am totally confused. Can you please explain how exactly are you to be worshipped? Krishna smiles and replies, Arjuna, based on all the things I have told you thus far, you ought to be able to figure out the answer yourself. Yet, since you have asked me, I shall give the answer. There are basically two approaches to worship, the external approach and the internal approach. The external approach relies heavily on procedures while the internal approach does not bother about procedures both approaches are acceptable provided love is the basis Arjuna says Krishna this I am unable to understand the two approaches appear to be totally contradictory and yet you say both are acceptable to you how can that be Krishna replies not at all let me explain with some detailed examples let us take one form of ritual in this the devotee has an idol and offers worship to it by chanting various mantras instead of mechanically uttering the mantras without understanding the meaning try to understand what is being said and done first you welcome god to your house you wash his feet at the entrance and respectfully conduct him inside after this you offer him a seat next you make preparations so that he can have a bath after the bath is over you offer him new clothes then flowers incense etc after this lunch and so on a person who goes through this routine mechanically would not realize that he is actually having the lord as his guest but one who is filled with that feeling does not think he is uttering routine chants instead he is swept by the feeling that he is playing host to the lord no it is not make believe as an atheist would imagine since i am the indweller i know exactly what the devotee feels if the devotee is merely acting as a chanting machine then the worship remains external but if the chants are uttered with feeling then the very same ritual becomes internal see another example you know vedic priests do complicated rituals called yagna these yagnas are full of grand chants that proclaim the glory of god if the vedic mantras are chanted with feeling if the one who chants experiences the glory of god while chanting then the yagna is not a mere vedic drill but a profound experience
otherwise it is a ritual that skeptics would dismiss as extremely wasteful but if the mantras are uttered with deep feeling then even the atheist would be irresistibly moved by their power in short if love is made the basis then it really does not matter whether the procedure adopted is formal or informal have i not told you earlier that as far as i am personally concerned i am delighted even if you worship me with just a flower a fruit a leaf or even just a bit of water i shall go one step further you don't have to offer me a flower to get that flower you have to go to a shop or a garden save yourself all that trouble just say god i offer you one bad habit of mine god would be quite happy with that absolutely shocked arjuna exclaims krishna surely you must be joking with a big laugh krishna replies no not at all i am quite serious you see arjuna when you offer me a bad habit you become purer to that extent and come a bit closer to me is it any wonder that i am pleased arjuna for me the priority is faith plus love a child is not able to speak properly it is just able to mutter a few words incoherently yet the mother feels deliriously happy why because the mother sees love in the child's words that is why she is not bothered about grammar but love got it it is the same with me naturally for me pure love is primary if unadorned love is all that you can offer no problem i am not bothered about the frills let us go back to the mother and child example let us say the child has composed a small poem expressing her love to the mother the mother is very happy as happy as she was when her daughter was a mere baby and was able to only prattle what the poem and the prattle have in common is love and that is what really matters having said that i must clarify that i am not anti procedure just that if procedure is what you want to follow then do so with the proper feeling it is not correct to worship the idol thinking all the time about other matters in this case there is a lack of harmony between thought and action as you know i am a great stickler for harmony of feeling thought word and deed that ought not to be compromised ever arjuna says krishna if ritualistic procedures can make a person slip how come they came into existence in the first place what role do they have to play if at all in the development of devotion krishna replies now that is an interesting question and let me reply to it in some detail thousands of years ago the world was very different there were many sages and rishis then and they all adored me so much that they spent all their time thinking of me and doing my work in many ways for example the rishis would meditate intensely for long stretches of time and it was then that i would reveal great spiritual truths to them later these truths have compiled into what are called the vedas 
the rishis performed a useful service to society. They ran little schools called gurukulas, where disciples absorbed spiritual truths. This is how the Vedas have been preserved through time by being passed on from generation to generation. By the way, do you know that I myself attended a gurukula? Besides preserving spiritual knowledge, the rishis also started the custom of performing yagnas. As they chanted the mantras, there was a tremendous outpouring of love for God and so compelling was the grandeur of the chant that they drew even ordinary folk to the function. Their very presence did a lot of good to these people, even though they did not understand one single word of the mantras chanted. So powerful were the vibrations of the Vedic sound that it produced beneficial effects unknown to them. In later years, many ordinary people took to rituals, often without understanding their full significance. However, this in itself is not bad. These people perform rituals with full faith. That is the important point. In due course, they began to understand the inner meaning, whereupon the ritual acquired new significance for them. You see, Arjuna, children are taught multiplication tables. At that age, they do not quite know the significance of the tables. They just get it by heart because that is what they are supposed to do. Years later, when they understand better the principle underlying arithmetic, these tables become more meaningful. In short, rituals are a stepping stone. They are like the flotation aids used by those learning to swim. Once they know how to swim, the flotation aids are thrown away. In the same manner, rituals are supposed to get people started on the path of worship. Later, when love for God develops in full measure, rituals could be given up. The bottom line is faith and love. If these are present, then any procedure or ritual, formal or otherwise, is acceptable. That is the point really. Got it? Let me now get back to the subject of gunas and fill in with a few details I have not covered earlier. I should explain with examples how gunas color what people feel and do. Let me start with food. As you know, some people live to eat while others eat to live. The sattvic person is basically of the latter type. He is extremely careful about his food habits. To start with, a sattvic person does not eat anything and everything. He eats only that which is healthy for the body, not for him the popular junk foods. Next, he is very careful about cleanliness. Not only does he insist on the food itself being clean, but also his body. Thus, he would not eat without bathing and further take care to wash his hands and mouth before starting to eat. The sattvic person would eat only at regular times and in perfect moderation, no overeating for him. Further, before eating, he would reverentially offer the food to God and while eating he would remain silent, thinking about God. The Radsik person is very different in his food habits. Addicted as he is to the pleasures of the world, he lets his tongue dictate his choice of food. 
He eats like a gourmet, but pays for it all in the end. He does sometimes realize his mistake, but by then it is too late. The tamasic person is even worse. He is ready to eat anything and everything, and one shudders even to mention the kind of stuff he eats. Fool that he is, he doesn't even bother to check if the food that he eats is adulterated or not. Let me now turn to the different attitudes that people have to yagna. The satvik person performs yagna mainly to invoke the blessings of God on one and all, which is very commendable. The rajasik person performs yagna both for show and to demand benefits from God. He almost considers the yagna like a business deal. God, I perform the yagna, and you give me this and that. The tamasic person sinks even lower, getting even the procedures all wrong. As if this is not enough, he dares to make evil demands on God. That is to say, he tries to convert yagna into witchcraft. Next, I shall discuss the attitude of the three types to austerity. Austerity, as you know, is a kind of strict discipline, both mental and physical, aimed at internal purification. that is purification of the mind and the senses austerity covers all aspects thought word and deed let me start with fasting a common type of austerity in accordance with the command of the scriptures the satvik person not only fasts but keeps chanting the name of god all the time this way his stomach not only gets some rest By the way it is a good idea to give some occasional rest to the stomach but by chanting the name the man also sanctifies the act of fasting some rajasik people also fast but all the time their mind is on when the fast would end and what type of goodies they can eat after that one is at a loss to understand why these people fast at all by the way some even fast for pure stunt value the tamasic fellow too is perverted by his own unable to understand what moderation means he sometimes literally tortures his body in the name of observing austerities this fool does not realize that by doing so he is actually torturing me thus gunas make people do the same thing in many different ways and with very different attitudes too Let me now move on to the subject of charity. Properly performed, the act of charity is an expression of compassion. That is why the scriptures commend charity. While the satvik person offers charity the way it should be, with humility and no expectation of reward or benefit, the rajasik person will make every effort to get all the mileage he can. He is a real stunt man. and goes all out for publicity as for the tamasic person he makes sure he gives the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time not only that he often gives with utter contempt for the receiver arjuna this world is a deceptive mix of sat or truth and a sat or untruth life is a journey where man has to avoid untruth and be guided by truth if a man thinks he can do it all by himself 
he is sure to get into all kinds of trouble and problems but if he reposes total faith in me and worships me with one pointedness then i will drive him through even as i am now driving your chariot